Hey, happy Thursday. I hope that you enjoy the episode. This is a re-air from a while back, but you have listened to it a whole lot. It's one of the top ranking episodes. And I know why, because the title talks about weight gain and fat loss and things like that. And here's the deal. Alcohol absolutely contributes to our inability to lose weight properly, to lose fat properly. It affects our organs. It affects our brain, the chemicals in the brain, all the things. But at the end of the day, it is all about what's underneath. And the more and more I spend time with you, the more and more I spend time coaching you inside of our private sessions or inside the Stop Over Drinking Sisterhood, this is what we uncover. So while this episode has awesome information, I love listening to Miranda. I loved having a conversation with her about different strategies. I think it's absolutely important that we have tools, that we have strategies, that we have ways that we create new routines, which is a huge part of what I teach early on in the beginning. And we have to realize, ladies, if you're choosing anything other than sitting with your cravings and sitting with the discomfort, then the healing is not going to progress the way you want it to. It's just not. We have to go under the hood. We got to do a little digging. And the great way to start that is to realize, to be authentically honest about where you are with your eating habits, your drinking habits, your spending habits, whatever it is that you do to cope. You've got to start out with just extreme honesty with yourself. It is also helpful for that next step to be honest with someone else that you can feel safe with, whether it's a trusted friend, a mentor, a coach, a pastor, someone like that to help you and just be there to know where you are in your starting point. And then surrender to it, and then you begin to take action, okay? And so I just really enjoyed this episode, and I know you did too. And I just want to speak honestly and openly because that's what I'm here for. You're always going to get the truth from me. You're always going to get the real stuff behind the scenes in my life as well and the challenges that I've had and I continue to walk through. And I'm here to serve you and love you and get you to walk towards the woman that you're truly meant to be And if we continue to push away the emotions, we push away the the things that our body's trying to tell us and we cope and we stuff, then we cannot, hear me again, we cannot become that woman that God has designed us for. He needs us to walk through our healing with him so that we can get there. And I guarantee you, more than likely... Something that you're dealing with and you're going through is going to actually really catapult you into the, the your purpose. You're going to somehow help someone else because of what you've gone through. I firmly believe that. It may not be on some sort of huge scale. It might. You may end up doing a podcast. You may be end up speaking. You may end up just volunteering somewhere inside of a program that really means a lot to you. And it might not be. You might just be open and available for those to come to you, maybe just for accountability or for love. And that could be two years down the road, which is beautiful because that's my journey, right? I didn't immediately start here. I'm over four years alcohol free. And the huge part of that journey was after I removed the alcohol, it was the next level. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Yes, I want you to stop over drinking or quit drinking. And I want you to do that so you can see the healing that can take place. So I love you. I'm thankful for you. I want to work with you if you need that deeper support and you're ready. It is coachmichelleporterfield at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you. Until next time, stay blessed. Hey sister, are you newly alcohol free, but you've been hanging on for dear life, hoping you don't fall backward? Or maybe you're still stuck in the cycle of over drinking, even when you told yourself you would stop waking up each day with thoughts of self-loathing is your anxiety through the roof so much that you wake up at 3am with your heart racing and negative thoughts about yourself. You hide it so well, not many people know. Girl, I get you and I see you. I'm Michelle Porterfield and for so many years I experienced all of this. Here's the deal. Quitting drinking is just the first step. 
I believe that's why it can be so scary. We know deep down it's more. Once we see what's underneath all the covering up, true freedom is found. And I'm here to help you do just that. So whether you're newly alcohol free or just sober curious, there is freedom on the other side. I can't wait to help you ditch the wine witch or help you find your mindset breakthrough and reignite your purpose after alcohol. Girlfriend, you are in the right place. Welcome to Set Free Sisterhood. Hey ladies, so excited to have my friend Miranda Lee here today on the podcast. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, and I just want to just, you just introduce yourself, tell my amazing women who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Miranda Lee. I am a faith-based health and confidence coach. I am a certified personal trainer as well. And I just love to help women build confidence through food, free, food freedom, fitness, and faith. So, you know, I'm all about just ditching everything that diet culture has tried to teach us all these crazy myths and you know ever-changing unrealistic body standards and just help people just become more confident in who they are in their bodies that are going to change over time and to just realize that fitness and nutrition is not a one-size-fits-all and everyone's going to have their own unique journey and we just need we just need to be okay with that. I love it. And okay, the end. That was great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. no, so tell me this though. How did, because I love it. It's brilliant. And it's something that we need to continue talking about because the other, the, the conditioning is continuing to be pushed onto us and onto our children. So where and when did you bring in the faith piece to all this? Yeah. So I think with me, like, so I struggled for a really long time, you know, with self-confidence, um, with multiple eating disorders, just being, you know, just super obsessed with what I look like, feeling like that's where my self-worth came from. And honestly, when I finally surrendered everything over to God and started putting God first, and, you know, I feel like it's so easy to think that, oh, um, you know, this is health and fitness, like this isn't, like God doesn't want to be part of that, but he does. And he, he really does. And I know with me, when I realized that, you know, my body is just this temple that God is loaning me so I can be here to live out my purpose and my calling. I wasn't put on this earth to obsess about the temporary vessel that I'm just being loaned. And so once I started realizing that, you know, I'm not living for myself. I need to be living for God. Um, it's just like all the pieces just fell together. And I was able to be, be more confident in myself with my body, had a different reason for why I was feeling myself or why I was working out or why I was making these healthier decisions. And they weren't for like selfish reasons for like, I want to look a certain way or, you know, I'm only worthy if I eat healthy. It's like, no, I'm choosing to eat healthier, to move my body, because everything I do is to glorify God, is to glorify God. And like, why not take care of this temporary vessel that God has loaned to me? Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's cool because I can relate in the sense of there was a season in my life where I was just sort of checking the boxes and for doing the fitness stuff and then when my body was changing, I was like, well, this is why I'm doing it. Look at me, you know, I'm sculpting and changing. And where all that was great and I was getting stronger, it wasn't something that like now is such a big self-care thing for me because it is such a mental, mental healing for me too when I work out. It's so funny. This, um, this older gentleman that works out at the gym I go to, we were there this morning he was, he, he said something. It was really sweet. He's like, yeah, we're all in here working and get those summer bodies so we can sit by the pool. And I was like, well, I think we can sit by the pool with anybody. And, um, I'm just here because I love it. And this is the only body that I have. Like there was this moment in my journey where I realized like, this is all I've got. And it was after I quit drinking because, you know, so many years I, you know, had, 
been putting a toxin in my body. And then there just became my, you know, my self growth and development, my faith began to grow. And I was like, the biggest thing is like you said, like, this is my one body on earth and I want to take care of it and love it so that it can keep going as long as God wants me here to do those things that he's called me to do. So I love your mission. I love this all together. And you have a story um, of alcohol in your life. So let's start there. I want to hear a little bit about your journey with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so growing up, I was, you know, that, that typical, I guess you can say goody, goody. I, you know, had great grades. I was always, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't like sneaking out or doing anything, any of those things that, you know, teenagers were doing. Like I was going to church and um, I had a couple of experiences when I was younger with um, a family member who was an alcoholic that really just turned me off to alcohol. So I was like, nope, never drinking. So that's why like in high school, I was like, no, if we were at parties or anything, um, I wouldn't drink. I was always the DD, um, never someone to like sneak alcohol from, you know, my dad's little bourbon cabinet, nothing like that. I, I had no interest in an alcohol because of um, that family member. And, you know, alcoholism is something that runs in my family. So I was really against it for a really long time. And then when I was 19 and went to college, um, I don't know, I guess I, I don't know what went through my head. I didn't do any, I wasn't like some crazy drunk or anything, but you know, I was like, okay, well maybe I'll have some, um, and then started, you know, drinking here and there. Um, you know, even and then when I was 21, obviously, um, like my 21st birthday, went out drinking. So I was, you know, drinking kind of as a normal 21 year old um, would. And during that time in my life was when I was probably at the peak of my eating disorders. Um, so I realized that I don't know, just pairing it with alcohol was definitely making, making it a lot worse. And I don't know, just over time, I think I probably maybe drank for like when I was 19 to like 22, maybe, yeah, 22. Um, and then just one day I was like, I don't know, like this isn't serving me. Like this, ha this has no space in my life. Like I don't have this crazy, amazing story of like, oh, I was drinking every weekend doing this, this and that. It was like for the small chunk in my life that I was drinking, um, I realized it wasn't serving me. So I told myself, you know what? I'm just going to take it out for a little bit. It was like my New Year's resolution was I was going to go all year without drinking and I think that's when I was, when I was 22. So I remember going the first half of the year without drinking. And then I had like one drink. It was like a margarita on this little day cruise that me and my husband went on. And I was like, I don't know, like that was really anticlimactic. I don't know. I just <laughs> like, mm, no. So then I went like the rest of the year without drinking and then, I don't know, I felt this shift in my life. It made it so much easier for me to recover from my eating disorders when I wasn't drinking, um, you know, because you're not in the best mindset when you are under the influence of alcohol. Um, you know, I, I struggled with other things with, um, you know, my mental health, like um, I have a tick disorder and I have anxiety um, and OCD. So I feel like every time I did drink, it would kind of make those struggles a lot worse. So yeah, this whole one year of not drinking kind of just turned into me never drinking. And it's kind of hard, especially as someone who, you know, is young um, to go, you know, be with your group of friends who know everyone's, everyone's drinking. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Mm, this isn't serving me. And it really made my journey from healing from my eating disorder so much easier. Um, 
And, you know, with like my tick disorder and my anxiety, it's like I had nothing to trigger it to make it so much worse or anything. So it's like this little small like alcohol hiatus that I was going to go on to not drink for a year just kind of turned into me not drinking for like four years. And I haven't drank ever since. And honestly, I've never, I don't, I think maybe there was one or two times I was feeling tempted Mm-hmm. And it was in a place where I needed to turn to God a little more. And I realized like, this wasn't that I'm craving alcohol. I was craving the numbness from alcohol. Um, because in my eyes, I felt like when I did drink, it was like, well, if I'm going to drink and I'm going to, you know, spend this money, have these extra calories in my mind at the time. Um, I was like, you know, I want to, I want to feel drunk. Yeah. So for me, it was either I wasn't drinking at all, or I was, you know, going past just the buzz point. So, you know, that one or two times I did feel tempted to drink. Um, I realized it had nothing to do with drinking. It was, I needed to turn to God. I needed to surrender to God. I was obviously in not the best headspace um, to drink. And there, there was mm-hmm. a, more of a deeply rooted problem. And I know there's you know, people who can casually drink, you know, socially drink. And even my mom, she's, um, she's like 55. She's never been a drinker. Um, and now that she's older, she's just like, no, I, I don't want to drink at all because I, she realizes as well, it was something that kind of just, something that she would turn to as well, because I have a special needs sister who even as an adult, like my parents are the conservators for her. So, and you know, my parents have all the kids out of the house now. So you think like, oh, now I can have a glass of wine here and there. My mom as well has, you know, realized that it's not something that serves her either. So, you know, it's not some big extravagant story that I have, but you know, the very small chunk of my life that I did drink, I realized it wasn't serving me. And, you know, it's just made my life so much easier to just cut out drinking altogether. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And I'm glad that you don't have a bigger story than that. (laughs) I think that's awesome because I think we need all stories and all perspectives because really what I, what I hear is, you know, at some point in your life, there was leverage that was, okay, alcohol is probably not a good idea. This is what I see. Then there becomes a place in our life where we, there's a season change. There's probably pressure um, in college, things like that. We know that, I mean, typically with the the first drink, that's like, oh, this, this is kind of helping this anxiety or this, this numbing that I need and not even really realizing it yet. But I love how you were able to connect a couple of things that connect the fact that drinking was a common denominator with all the other things you were dealing with. And it was like, Hmm, you know, this is really creating more issues in these other areas. And when you realize like, that's the thing I say, and a lot of us don't necessarily realize that we have many things in our lives that are not serving us. And really what that means is when this has become familiar or consistent in our life? Is it helping us grow closer to God? Is it helping us to elevate and align with our values or is it keeping us stuck or even pulling us back the other direction? And I think that's for me is some realizations that I've had with, with many different things in my life. And I love the fact that you were able to recognize like, Hmm, I've been tempted to drink. Why? And where do I need to go? And I think that's where the faith piece is so important to me is we all know that we, when we feel discomfort or there's something like that going on, we, we tend to gravitate towards something. It's rare that we naturally, or we haven't been taught our entire lives. We've been, we've not been taught to sit in discomfort. We've not been taught to like, well, go ahead and feel it and figure out what's going on. Like learn to process it. You know, this is just something even in the past probably five years has really been something in, you know, all over podcasting and YouTube. So why that matters is no matter how small we think our stories are or how big they all matter in the sense that at the end of the day, when we're putting anything else above our relationship with the Lord and using it to cope, it's 
probably not serving us. So hearing that story is great because there are a lot of women that tell me like, well, I just don't really, you know, other people drink more than me. I don't drink that much. And it's like, but if, if you're even having that conversation with yourself and you're having this internal battle, I celebrate because that tells me that the conflict is there. So it needs to be brought up and addressed. And that's great that you're that early on to where it doesn't become a problem because you, yours could have went a totally different direction. Easy. So tell me how then, what was next for you? And like, how did that, how did that shift into you working on? I mean, I'd love to hear more about how you uh, healed from your eating disorder and then how you've kind of turned this into um, your mission. And how do you feel like, and this is several questions, but, and then how do you feel like my listeners can sort of understand even from a, just the, the health perspective of really what alcohol does to us? So that if, you know, cause if she's like me, she's over here, she's working out trying to be healthy and drinking every day. So. Yeah. And I mean, and going back to what you were, what you were going over before about how it's just like a comfort for people. And I feel like, especially in this day and age, like we see on the internet and on Instagram and social media, um, these things that are perceived as normal, like diet culture, but also like unwinding with, you know, a glass of wine or, oh, I had a hard day, I'm going to have a drink or, you know, we're celebrating, so I'm going to have alcohol. And I feel like it is, it is so easy to, to, you know, turn to those things because that's what everyone around us is doing. But, you know, God says in the Bible, like, just because we are physically a part of the secular world doesn't mean we have to be of it. You know, we don't have to fit in with what everyone else is doing. And yeah, everyone might be ending their day with a glass of wine or going out and having, you know, mimosas with brunch and that's fine, but you don't have to do it just because everyone else is doing it. And it's so much easier to, to do what everyone else is doing. And I know, especially for me in the beginning of my like, real no alcohol journey once you know being 22 and older um that when people would ask me why i i didn't drink um at the time i was really into competitive powerlifting and i just said you know what i have this goal with my sport so there's just no room for me to drink because it's not helping me get better and i feel like it's it's easy like to find something like to I guess, blame. And then when I got older, there would, you know, I I had a cousin say to me um, recently, like, you're an adult, you can have a drink. And I was like, okay, like, it has nothing to do with me being an adult or not. But if it's not serving me in any area of, of my life, and it's not making me grow and making me become a better person, and, you know, if it's not bringing me closer to God, in any way, why would it be, you know, something I want to, to partake in? So, you know, I think that's one of the hardest parts, especially being um, younger is like trying to like just say no and just being okay and mm-hmm. confident and like, no, I don't drink. Well, I don't want that comes up a lot. Cause you know, my first response is where I'm sitting today is like, yeah, I'm an adult and I can also choose not to drink. So what is your problem? You know, <laughs> you know, like that little feisty part of me comes up because it's really unusual. And I'm, we've talked about this before and I'm sure you've heard it too. That's like somebody being like, oh my God, you're not shooting up heroin. What is wrong with you? You know, you're an adult or even like, there's never like this conversation around hardcore drugs versus alcohol or like, I can't believe you're not eating chicken livers. Like, that's so strange to me. Like, it's just this, like, it's just this thing. And I bet it's so connected. Like you said, with even the diet culture, it, it it's kind of like having an aha moment right now of like, these are really two of the biggest, like, peer pressure issues in our current society right now. Yeah, it, oh my gosh, it, it really is. And I even have a client right now who, um, who were, you know, going through her um, recovery of binge eating disorder, which is one of the eating disorders that I really um, struggled with. 
And, you know, all of her friends love to drink and stuff on the weekends. And I know, especially for me, recovering from binge eating disorder, drink, taking out drinking was so um, essential to my recovery because with binge eating disorder, it's kind of all or nothing. Like you either are restricting or you're binging. And, you know, when you drink alcohol, it, <laughs> it makes you want to snack and eat more. And then if you're struggling with the binge eating disorder mindset that, you're going to eat even more and it just kind of feeds into that cycle. So I know for one of my clients, she has such a hard time because her friends are like, well, why aren't, why aren't you drinking? You know, we all have to drink together, you know, like, Oh, you're, you're not being fun. Like you're not drinking. And I just don't understand why it's not an easy answer to be like, I just don't want to <laughs> like, why can't you just say, I don't want to. And then everyone be like, Okay. And I think it's because it, other people want to feel better about the fact that they're drinking. Yep. You know, so. Because when know, people say no, immediately there's a mirror that flies up. Because it's the subconscious thing that comes up in front of us. It's like, oh, wait. It's like, because I've been there before. And I just got to where, this just shows you where I was on my drinking journey. I went on, oh gosh, this is crazy. I went on a like weekend getaway with some uh, women of faith that I know. None of them are drinkers. And I was so far in my, I would say just my pit and my idolization of alcohol that I didn't even care. I bought wine, brought it into the hotel room, drank it in the bathtub and knowing none of them even drank. Like, that's just weird when I look back on it now. But that's kind of the flip-flop that what happens when when somebody does say, like, hey, I'm not drinking. Then they're like, well, wait a minute. Is there something wrong with drinking? Like, why, like, why wouldn't you drink? Like, we're supposed to do this together. Like, we need to lock arms and do this together. And I don't know of anything else that feels like that. And then it just makes me go even deeper of like, well, what kind of relationships do we really have anyway? How honest are we being with each other? Because my whole thing now is just like, if, you know, as friends, I would just be like, hey, it's just not working for me. And it makes me feel like crap and I can't sleep well. And so that's why I'm not drinking. And I think most people, if they just would be honest like that, the friends would drop it. But then if there are friends that really continue to, because there's a big age difference in who we're talking about in your 20s versus 40s. We do get to where we're a little bit more honest with our with ourselves and our friends, but like, let's, it's, maybe it's just time to really reassess this relationship. Is this person really for you or are they for themselves? Yeah, and like you were saying, you don't know if like any other things in life are like that. I, but I think that um, dieting is so similar um, to kind of like the whole alcohol thing. Cause you know, you'll have, you know, a group of girls and you're all, you know, eating your salads and stuff. And someone's like, Oh, should we order pizza? Like, should we be bad? And like, I guarantee yeah. you not one person in that group is going to do it by themselves unless everyone else is like, Oh, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's all make this quote unquote bad decision together. And, you know, at the end of the day, ordering a pizza or eating pizza isn't a bad decision, but you just feel better about it if everyone else is doing mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I think that really has to do with your self-confidence or lack of self-confidence as well. Like whether, no matter what your decision is, like if you want to eat a cupcake, then eat a cupcake. Who cares if anyone else is doing it? So, you know, I think with, you know, people who are like, oh, no, like you should drink too. You should drink too. It's like, well, you're obviously lacking in some self-confidence as, you know, a friend of mine that like, if you're trying to force me to drink, it has nothing to do with me. It has right. to do, with, you know, with that friend and, and their relationship with themselves. And, you know, that, that can definitely be hard. And like you said, kind of reevaluating who you're hanging out with. Um, but, you know, like... With me especially, I feel like it's easier. I feel like it can be hard for people who aren't like completely sober. Like they're just trying to, you know, bring back their drinking because other people wouldn't understand like, oh, this is the time I decide to have a drink and this is the time I'm not. Mm -hmm. With me, I feel like it's easier because I'm just like, I don't drink. 
and period end of story I can't be persuaded you know so I think for other people like my clients who we really try to um, just you know really decrease and limit their drinking or just give them a healthier relationship with alcohol instead of using it as a coping mechanism it can be easier to be persuaded um, so that's why like some of my my tips that I have um, for people who are in that situation or even like things I do now is um, I'll be like don't like don't have an empty hand I guess I always have my water cup and it's not just a water cup I have this cute little um cute little Starbucks cup you know with the straw it's like reusable and you know I'll put my water in there I'll put whatever people don't know what I'm drinking people probably think I'm drinking iced coffee 24 7 right. <laughs> you know so I I tell my friend like you know you have that water cup you're over here you're you're drinking something maybe people around you would feel like if you're just standing there, like, you know, hands, hands by your side, people are like, Hey, you want to drink? You want to drink? But if you're over here sipping on, you know, your, your little Starbucks cup, maybe less people will ask you. I mean, it's so important just to just be confident in yourself enough to say like, no, I don't drink. But, you know, even for me, if I, um, I don't go out, but if there are a few times that I do go out to like a bar or something like that with friends, like I just, I order a club soda and I have something in my hand just mm-hmm. to avoid the, you know, people just having those questions. And, you know, 99% of the people I hang out with, no, I don't drink anyways. So it doesn't, it doesn't bug them. They don't say anything, but you know, sometimes just having a cup in your hand mm-hmm. <laughs> and just ward off all the questions from people and you just don't have to worry about it. But Well, have you also heard the, especially with your age group, same thing. I don't go out either, but I think since things are opening back up, a lot of people are like really frantically wanting to be out and be social and do these things or even in events and things like that. But I've even heard that you can go, you know, like you said, go early or go up to the bar and even kind of make friends with a bartender and just be like, Hey, um, I'm not, I don't drink alcohol but I want to have, you know, fun and have some fun drinks. What ideas do you have? And, you know, whatever. So, you know, just keep going to that bartender. Like he's the one that knows. And then you have like cranberry with club soda or something. And and it is kind of fun having something different. That's just not water or soda. And you've kind of have an ally too. I mean, they don't care. You know, yeah, so, exactly. If you're still dipping. They don't care. <laughs> and so that, that reminds me of um, a couple months ago, I went to a concert with my husband and, um, you know, he wanted to get uh, a seltzer or whatever from the bar. Um, and I went up there and they had these big cans of, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called liquid death. And it's literally just canned water. They have regular oh. water and sparkling water. And, but the can is so cool. It looks like one of those like cool can drinks. Oh. And like you, you best believe I spent $5 on a big can of water <laughs> and it was, you know, the sparkling water. So it obviously, you know, I, I didn't like chug it or anything cause that would burn. Right. So, you know, I, it was cool that I had something to sip on. It was, you know, uh, it was something that, that looked cool, liquid death. And it was literally just water. And, you know, it, it, it feels, it feels nice to have something that, like you said, like where it feels special. Um, I know with me, if I'm ever like out in a group of friends, like my go-to is some kombucha. Mm-hmm. I will only have kombucha if I'm, you know, out with friends or I get to a birthday party. Cause then I feel like I'm having something special. Like if I'm with my mom, we'll do like kombucha with some like muddled fruit and maybe add a little extra, like, um, just like soda water in there. And we're like drinking in the hot tub. Like there's nothing wrong with like wanting that little special drink. And that also can make, um, make it so much easier if you're in that transition, transition from drinking to not drinking, just to, you know, have something fun. You know, they have non-alcoholic wine, which is cool. Um, if you, if you're into that, I, I just, super high in sugar um mm-hmm. but everything's everything's fine in moderation i would never tell someone not to drink it it's not my go-to um just because i drink things really fast <laughs> so you know i'll do my kombucha and i'll water it down too so it lasts a little bit longer but you know going back to your question a little while ago about alcohol and health 
Um, I'll try to, to really make this as simple as possible, but you know, there's, there's three macronutrients. There's your carbs, your fats, and your protein. And, you know, each one is, has different, um, is different calorie has different calories based on the different macros. So protein has, you know, four calories per gram carbs have four calories per gram. And then we have fat, which we all know, like, um, like avocado or nuts and butters and stuff. We know that those are more calorically dense. Um, cause those are nine grams, nine calories per gram. So there's this fourth macronutrient, which is alcohol. Cause it doesn't fall into any of those three macros and it actually has its own calories and it is seven calories per gram so it's actually a lot closer to the um to the fats to the more calorically dense foods so you know if you're having your protein and your carbs those are only four calories per gram but then alcohol is seven calories per gram so just being aware of that first of all that Alcohol is more calorically dense than most of the foods that we eat. And it's just from drinking. And most of us aren't drinking these <laughs> alcohols by themselves. You know, we're adding in cranberry juice or margarita mix, all these things that, um, you know, are high in sugar or just processed foods. And the issue, especially with alcohol, is when alcohol goes into your body, like, it is a toxin, first of all. Like we say that, but like no, it our body treats it as a toxin. So when you are eating foods with um while you're drinking alcohol, your body's first priority is to get rid of the toxin that's in its body. Your body is not focused on processing the food that you've eaten with it, processing the sugar. Your body is literally saying, we don't have time for that. Stored as fat. We have to get this talk, these toxins out of our body. So your body isn't even getting, aren't even really getting the great like nutrients or benefits from these foods that you're eating. And nine times out of the 10, if you're eating and drinking alcohol, you're probably not eating the healthiest thing. Let's be honest. You know, you got that gas station food, you got the hot Cheetos, those Reese's peanut butter cups. Those Girl, are my good too. <laughs> I never ate a salad and drank. Unless right? I restaurant with a salad it did yep. up there though yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah your body like you're putting you know not the best food in mm -hmm. and your body's literally saying like I my first priority is toxin just in my body so just store all this food as fat so that's kind of like the issue with with drinking alcohol um, and, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, like, I'm not going to eat before I drink or I'll eat all these carbs. Um, and it's like, okay, well, now you're going to really overeat with all the, the wrong foods, obviously, because you're super hungry. Um, you're not in the right mindset. You're, of course, you're not going to be like, wow, I feel so buzzed right now. I'm feeling like I want to eat a salad. Like you said, <laughs> like, that's the last thing that's on Healthy your piece of chicken. No, no. Right? No, the fried chicken is what you'll go to. Yeah, or Taco so. Bell or something. Exactly. So what I hear too is, well, first of all, you, I've never heard before that alcohol was kind of in its own little family. That's awesome. Makes sense to me. I think I would have just kind of stuck it in the carbohydrate section. Um, <clears throat> I do understand the toxin and we talk about that as far as like, you know, that's also what sets that alarm off, you know, typically at 3 a.m. and you wake up because it's like your body's like, ding, okay, I spent all this time processing this through all your organs, you know, and the brain's like, okay, wake up, like we're good. It's, it's very interesting, the stuff I've, you know, just read about and learned kind of what was really going on with me and my body. But what's so interesting too is not only is your body storing that food as fat because it don't it ain't got time for that right <laughs> it's focusing exactly. on the the toxin we're not even absorbing the nutrients so no wonder I hear women constantly complaining of weight gain low energy um, brain fog fatigue you know, their lab work is off. They have issues with their blood sugar levels and all that. It could simply be with a lot of women just taking out that one ingredient called alcohol. 
Yes, exactly. And that's, that's so true. All these side effects that, that these people are seeing like brain fog, weight gain, fatigue, all this stuff. It's yeah, your body isn't absorbing the nutrients because that's not its first priority Mm -hmm. at all. So, you know, something as simple as cutting out alcohol can really, really have a positive effect on so many aspects and areas in your health. But, you know, people don't, people don't think of that. They, they think like, oh, I need to run on the treadmill a little more. I need Mm -hmm. to do this and do that. But it's like, you're literally putting this toxin in your body so often that your body's priorities is to keep you alive. So yeah, you're not getting the nutrients. Absolutely. So what would be like your top tips for, um, even on the, the nutrition side? Cause I love how, like I said before, you, it, your vision encompasses the confidence, the faith, you know, food freedom in the sense that we're not talking like you can't have this and you can't have that, but really looking at it, working with women who have struggled with eating disorders, you know, a lot of it is, and I'm sure you've probably heard this too. Um, a lot of it is the anticipation of the reward that already brings us the dopamine hit. I've, I've looked into that a little bit. And I think a lot of times it's just, there's a lot of letdown too. And I've noticed that with food too, just like the um, excitement of something that I'm going to get or excitement of the sugar rush if I'm tired. And then when I actually get and receive and put in my body, it's like, oh, that was kind of like a, kind of like your, your drink on your trip. I was like, oh, well, that wasn't really what I thought it would be. How do you help women kind of begin that process? So if I've got somebody listening and they're like, oh my gosh, this is me. Like, not only am I over drinking, I know I'm overeating. I struggle with this battle of like how I talk to myself. I struggle with like just going to bad foods because I don't feel like I'm worthy or, or anything. Kind of what would you say, just what are the sort of like the beginning steps for somebody? Yeah, so um, I think the first one is really trying to ditch that all or nothing mentality. You know, we think we're like either all in and like dieting super hard and working out every day, or it's like we go back to just eating like garbage and not working out at all. Like we think that if we're not doing everything perfect, then we might as well not be doing anything at all. And that's not how we are meant to live life. We are meant to live life in this gray area, there's going to be some days that, you know, your eating might be amazing. You might've done a great job of prioritizing nutrients. And another day, you know, it could have been a holiday or a weekend where, yeah, maybe you did have a cupcake or some chips or something. Um, but not being upset with yourself at that, like, that's okay. Um, and that leads to my second tip is to really stop labeling foods as, good or bad. And like you were saying, like that anticipation of, you know, Ooh, I, I get to have this. Um, the only reason most of the time why something like that is so exciting is because you tell yourself, no, that you can't have it most of the time. So then when you do have it, you really see it as, um, like this reward, this big deal. And I feel like you're not even like enjoying it. And, you know, the moment you tell yourself, no, that you can't have something you want it even more. Um, and the thing with food versus, you know, other addictions you might have in your life. Like if you have an alcohol addiction, cut out alcohol. If you have, you know, a drug addiction, cut out drugs. If you have a food addiction, you can't cut out food. You have to have a healthy relationship with food because you need it to survive. You don't need alcohol to survive. You don't need drugs to survive. Um, So I think just having that healthy relationship with your food and to stop doing what diet culture is telling you to label food as good and bad. And like the reason why diets don't work is because they, they only work in perfect conditions and none of us have a life that has perfect conditions because then we wouldn't have holidays. We wouldn't have celebrations. We wouldn't have bad mental health days, anything like that. We had to take into consideration. Um, so I really think that if you are, you know, trying to take those steps to live healthier and, you know, to love yourself more, that you need to 
to be okay with saying yes and saying no to certain things. You know, if you, people think like, okay, uh, we're going through the drive through at Chick-fil-A, I have to get a salad. Or it's like, well, I already ordered the burger, might as well get the fries. Like, okay, what if you went through the drive through and you said, which is what I do, like, those Chick-fil-A fries, those are the best. I'm going to order them. But does that mean I have to order the large every time I go through the drive through No. So what's a happy medium? One extreme would be don't have them at all. And the other extreme would be to order the large. But what if I just ordered a small and then got a burger and chose not to eat the bun? You know, like finding these happy mediums and we're all going to be so different. Like I like fries. I don't really care about bread or like the buns or anything, but you know, I know other people who like can do without fries and they like to have a burger. So, you know, finding what works for you. Like even the other day I was at Target with my husband and we were going down the snack aisle and I remember just thinking, wow, I remember just years ago going down the snack aisle would be so triggering. So I'd be like, I want everything. Like I want everything, but I can't have any of it. And like now I'll literally walk down the snack aisle and I'll be like, "Mm, that doesn't really look good. That looks good but I don't really want it. And then there might maybe be something that I'm like, Ooh, you know what? I want this. And it's okay if I get it. It's okay if I decide. I think the most important thing we need to do with our body is to learn how to trust it and to be in tune with our body. And that's what I really try to teach um, these women that I work with that like when you rely on a diet, you are being like, okay, I want to just follow these rules. But your body tells you what it wants and what it needs. Your body will tell you if it's thirsty. Your body will tell you when it's hungry to be like, oh, I just need to drink more water. I feel hungry. I probably just need more water. Maybe I'm bored. You know what? Or maybe you're hungry and that's okay. And you're going to go through trial and error. So I think we really just need to learn how to be in tune with our body. People think that if they trust their body, they're just going to like, eat all this junk food and gain hundreds of pounds, but people weren't like that back in caveman days or back in, you know, the early days, no one was really overweight or obese. And they literally ate when they were hungry and ate what they were craving. And it's because your body will tell you. So I think we just really need to learn to trust our body and trust ourselves and have that confidence and really just focus on which is my final tip is like focusing on the little wins. I always tell, you know, my clients that, you know, at the end of the day, what if you, what if you, you said you you had this horrible day that, oh my gosh, I ate three slices of cake. I can't believe I did it. Okay. Well, what about the wins? A win could have been that you, you consciously decided that you weren't going to have that fourth slice, that fourth slice, because you weren't hungry. Or, you know, another little win is, you know, oh, I ate the whole bag of chips, but I left like maybe a handful at the bottom and closed it and put it away. That's still a little win that you, you know, didn't have that mindset of, well, I already ate most of it, might as well eat the rest of it. You know, just telling people to focus on the little wins because that's what's going to motivate you. We can't hate ourselves and loving ourselves thinking that, you know, I'll just hate who I am now. And eventually when I'm better, I'll love myself that's, that's not how you get there. No, absolutely not. It has to come from a place of, of love first and listening. And, you know, that's part, that is love in itself. And that's a win when you begin to pay attention to your body and the cues, the hunger cues, thirsty cues, the rest, like so many of us high performing women, we're just like, go, go, go. And our bodies over here going, honey, I need you to take a nap. Like allow, you got to rest over here. And so much of it too, like our, our, um, our businesses are so similar. Our women are so similar. You could put, you could drop down this food and alcohol in the same. Cause it's so, even what you said, walking down the aisle, I was like, it's so crazy because it all starts with our thoughts and our mindset and how we like, all oh, we want to intellect our way through all this and not pay attention to our bodies and then realize 
like, then you're like, Hmm, that's what I'm in the mood for. Or maybe I'll have a little bit of that. And I actually had a recent experience. It snowed here in South Carolina, which is not normal. And you know, everybody rushes to the store and I was going down the bread aisle and which is wine on the other side. And I just kind of had a moment of just this feeling of like such gratitude because I didn't, it like, it didn't faze me. Like there's no emotion. And I think that's what's so powerful when we're walking through these healing journeys with healing with food. It's just like you said, like there's no emotion around food. Is it good? Is it bad? No, there's no like guilt and shame and like, Oh, I can't have it. It just becomes this ease and this freedom of choice, you know, and it's just a great place to be. And I know you're there and that's the awesome thing is we get to turn around and serve these women and help them. So I love what you're doing and I'm so grateful that you um, came on today. So where can everybody find you and how can they check out what you have to offer? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at this is Miranda Lee. Um, my website is this is And I have a podcast called the empowered podcast. So M dash powered podcast. It's all about, you know, food, freedom, fitness, faith, self-confidence. Um, and then, you know, I also have a, um, a Facebook empowerment community for, you know, accountability, recipes, workouts, um, body confidence devotions. So people can find me there at bit.ly slash Miranda Lee FB as in Facebook. Awesome. And I'll put the links in the show notes. It'll be easy to click. So thank you for your time and sharing your heart today. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.